Landline. Are you going to give us a land, your best landline? Landline. Welcome back to another edition of Landline Podcast. I'm your host, Alex McKay. On today's show, we've got a movie review with my beautiful wife, Anna. The Annex does movies. We review Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot. We got a female voice on the pod. We got new content. You might be asking yourself, what's the point of all this? Why is this guy podcasting and playing his brother-in-law's bluegrass music? It's because we're going to dominate the podcast circuit. Sooner or later, my friends, tell somebody you know about this podcast. Listen every week. Chime in with suggestions, comments, concerns. Landlinepodcast at gmail.com. Call the landline, 617-744-1895. Leave a message. Get on the pod. Tell a friend, soundcloud.com slash landlinepodcast. Find us on iTunes under Landline Podcast or, of course, talkforaliving.com. Look for new content this week, every week. Enjoy the show. So we're here to review a movie. We went out to Whiskey Tango Foxtrot on Saturday night, Friday night. A Friday night at the movies. Friday at the movies with my honey bunny. So Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, the new Tina Fey joint, um, starring Margot Robbie, Tina Fey, Martin Freeman, Alfred Molina, Christopher Abbott, and Billy Bob Thornton, among others, directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Recca, men whose names I've never known until now, but who also were involved in Focus, a movie we watched for 10 minutes last night before <laughs> turning it off. That and, really surprises me. And um, Bad Santa. So oh. that's where Billy Bob Thornton came in. And Margot. And, and Focus is where uh, Margot Robbie went in. The brief research I did did not tell me whether Focus was made before or after Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. We could probably dig deeper and tell. But if I were to guess, I would say that Wh- Whiskey Tango Foxtrot was actually made first and then they roped Margot Ro- Robbie into Fox 2 focus versus the other way around i don't think so um you think they made focus that big piece of shit and then she's like can't wait to do another movie with you guys i think she was like that was so embarrassing i was horrible in the first 10 minutes of that movie probably more and i need to redeem myself with this badass female role in wtf or whiskey tango foxtrot have the bloggers been calling it wtf well, I noticed that the marquee very cutely wrote WTF for the cars driving by. Do you think Mark Maron's going to sue? Mm, I think Mark has bigger fish to fry. Do you think Mark Maron will have a WTF podcast about WTF? It doesn't really work that way. Maybe he'll interview Margot Robbie. He'll definitely try. Yeah. So we saw the movie. Uh, Martin Freeman... Where do you recognize him from, folks? Well, we, we mentioned the original the Office. But you know who he was? Bilbo he was, ba- 
Bilbo Baggins. I know that too. See, I didn't get that until I looked it up. He was also in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I never saw, but I love the book. He was the original Jim in the British office, and his name was Tim, I believe. Is he Scottish or is he British? Because he was very fetching with his Scottish brogue in WTF. If you are looking to have a gray head of hair, you want to model it off after Martin Freeman in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I couldn't agree more. Now, Alfred Molina. Wait. Okay. I want to talk about Alfred Molina. Okay. Go ahead. Yet another example of Alfred Molina culturally appropriating another ethnicity. And I've actually gone ahead and compiled a short list of some other examples. Okay. May I please share? Please. Well, first, a little background on Mr. Molina. British-American dual citizen. Mom was Italian, a housekeeper. Father was Spanish. Didn't catch his line of work. But Alfred Molina tends to play just various brown people in movies. His first movie in 1981, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Babe, can you remember who he was in that film? No, and I'm one of those people who knows more about Star Wars than, Raider, than uh, you know, indie, than Indiana Jones. All right. Well, as an original indie fangirl, Satipo from Raiders of the Lost Ark the ill-fated Peruvian guide into the temple. Let's follow that up with another piece of shit. Sorry. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is obviously one of the best movies of all time. But um, in Counterpoint, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, a 2010 joint with Jake Gyllenhaal looking swole as F., he played Sheikh Amar. Never saw it, but I can ascertain from the name that indeed he was representing a different culture. Finally, and most egregious to me, he played Hercule Boirot in the 2001 adaptation of Murder on the Orient Express. And anyone who's watched any mystery with their mom every Sunday night for their entire childhood, like me, knows that Hercule Poirot is Belgian, not Italian, not Spanish. So here he goes. Once again, in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, he plays the... He's like the minister of Taliban affairs. He's the cultural (laughs) minister. He's the minister of making sure people don't get too liberal. Vice and virtue. Vice and virtue. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing I know about Alfred Molina. I know him from CBS commercials during football. Yeah, why does he do that? I don't know what he does. He's I know more. I could identify Alfred Molina easier than any other actor that I know less about. I can't tell you what he's been in. He was in Spider-Man apparently. Yeah, he was but like what the was octopus. his I think he was a stage actor and that's how everyone knows a Shakespearean him. Shakespearean stage actor. Okay. So, that's Alfred Molina for you. Now, here's the most exciting thing about the cast and then we'll move on. Christopher Abbott, also playing out of his ethnicity, is the great driver. Mm. He drives Tina Fey around everywhere in uh, Jalalabad. No, it's uh, Kabul. Is that, yeah, the Kabubble. 
Um, he drives him around in a like cool Mitsubishi Montero. He's her bodyguard slash driver slash interpreter. He plays Marnie's boyfriend on Girls. Whoa. I knew I knew his sweet little face. Charlie. Charlie. Who gets like an amazing uh, startup story happen to him yeah. where his his idea blows up and he's making shitloads of money and then he starts like banging models and dumps Marnie and she has like a mental breakdown about it. He really did a good job. He's a good actor. He is a good actor. All right. So we'll get more into the movie, but that's a story. Tina Fey um, does a great job, of course, and we'll tell you more about the plot. We just wanted to go over why we went to the movies and where we went to the movies before we get into the story itself, because we thought that would be a nice thread to tell you in each of our movie reviews that we're going to do over the next several years of your life. (laughs) So first of all, we went to the movies because it was Friday night. We had decided for the 438th time in our relationship that we weren't going to drink anymore. (laughs) And we had just gotten home from a vacation. So you can't get home from a vacation and be around the house and not drink. You need to go someplace else. And you can't go to any place that serves alcohol, although movie theaters usually do these days. So I looked up a few options. And, of course, we have, like, the really crappy independent family-owned theater that will be a feature in another one of our podcasts. We have the big out-of-town American movie theater that will be a feature in another one of our podcasts. We have the cool Cambridge theater that will be another feature in another podcast. That we haven't actually made it to yet. Not yet. So we went to kind of the, the tweener theater, which is the in Cambridge. It's called the Apple Cinema. And for all you people who are moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, don't. But if you do... <laughs> And, you, and you're like, oh, great, the Apple Theater in Cambridge, perfect, good parking, it's got a friendly name, it's named after some sort of organic piece of fruit. Whole Foods is nearby, in fact, it shares a parking lot. So, like, we've got a lot going for us, we can sneak some candy in, and it's going to be sort of just what I need. There will be liberal people there, but the screens will be big, and the seats will be plush, and they'll have craft beer on tap. Well, boy, are you wrong. The Apple Cinema's in cambridge is friendly in nature but dumpy in functionality and tell us why it's supremely dumpy um i feel like we're putting the the horse before the apple cart a little bit getting into why it's dumpy but there is certainly it's one of those buildings where you're not quite sure where the door is when you walk up to it. Um, it's 70s decor, a lot of burnt orange and sort of goldenrod. Look into your Crayola boxes if you have any questions about either of those colors. Um, a velvet rope that's seen velveter days sort of lead you to the ticket counter where... Somebody who doesn't speak of the English so good is selling you the tickets. <laughs> and the velvet rope is really for no reason. I mean, when has there no ever been line. a line there? No line whatsoever. So, but the but the piece to resistance of its shittiness is the screen size, which is like we all have a rich friend who has a screen bigger than the <laughs> screens at the Apple Cinema. It's really strange. I think, I mean... Given my architectural background, I understand ADA width sort of universally to be between three and five feet. For some reason, the aisle in this theater is about 15 feet wide. And 
the seats then take up about another 15 feet of width. So you're just smushed into one wall. The seats are like airplane seats. They're that close. I couldn't cross my legs. They don't recline. And um, I was hearing a lot of grumbles as people settled in. They were unhappy with the ones that they got. It's a weird thing because you think if you're going to go to the independent theater with like the weird person at the snack counter and the like sort of funky seat organization and the weird building that you're going to get some upside. Like they're going to have really good pizza that they partnered with a pizza shop next door and they have like under a heating lamp or they're going to have craft beer on tap or they'll have cool candies or something. This kind of has all the downsides and none of the ups other than that you're giving your money to an independent company of sorts and that you're supporting someone who wanted to buy a theater they really don't use the space very well it's not really decorated very well it's cramped and you're there the screen is small and then the experience itself goes even more into those details we'll get there i do want to say one of the upsides we got there way early because we had to get out of the house before we fixed ourselves a cocktail and we got to play two back-to-back games of one of those road racing games, like arcade style. We sat next to each other and raced each other first in some sort of Japanese locale. What was that? for Shanghai. No, it was in Japan during the Cherry Blossom Festival. Right. And we be- both had like a, a Camaro style car with white stripes down the center. And then we went around Times Square for a round. I won both rounds, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. The second one by a nose. So then we had another, I don't know, half an hour to call. Wait, oh, wait, you're oh, missing okay, go a ahead. pretty important part. Spoiler alert, the punchline of the movie The Brothers Grimsby has something to do with Sasha Baron Cohen shoving a rocket up his ass. <laughs> and I know this because I didn't buy a ticket to see that movie, but when I went in to Yankee Hotel Foxtrot or whatever it's called, to find my seat because I'm a compulsive early movie getter, get my seat person. There was still 10 minutes left in that movie and it was a climactic scene and Alex walked all the way in and looked a little confusedly around and I was like, babe, I don't think this is, I don't think this is the theater. And he's like, it's just a preview, but it was this extended painful 30 seconds of Sasha Baron Cohen, like talking about, having a projectile missile in his behind and it was obviously the climax of the film so we excused ourselves confusedly and and stood by the door it was weird movies usually end on time so that was or they end way early right because then you go you they want you to sit there and look at all the ads so anyways, finally that movie ended and we went and sat down. Now, I was antsy for a sweet and some sort of caffeine because I thought if I couldn't get alcohol, I'd have to have some sort of upper. So I decided I was going to go to the Whole Foods as an activity while Anna sat and saved our seats. So I went to the Whole Foods, wandered around aimlessly, decided I couldn't get a whole cup of hot coffee there and then try to bring it into the theater but you did pick up some stoop waffles some stroop waffles on sales those little waffle cookies with maple syrup in between came back to the theater snuck those in got back to what seemed like basically a boston college sorority party in the theater i mean if you're a guy looking to pick up someone during the middle of the movie which is a feat no one's ever accomplished go to whiskey tango foxtrot because it was 90 percent women in there 
The only audience I've seen that rivals the audience that we experienced last Friday was the Gone Girl audience. Interesting. Do you remember how it felt like the book clubs were all coming to to see the the novel come to life? Both of these movies are great movies for all genders or people who span genders. <laughs> so I don't really know why that's a thing. I guess that's a whole... If you need to know more about that, go to Slate.com and listen to one of their podcasts. <laughs> but I do think that uh, it's interesting. Like Tina Fey does cross a lot of gender stereotypes when it comes to people who like her. Like I think a lot of men loved 30 Rock. So as we get into the movie, we can talk more about that. Last bit on the on the um, sort of experience, the who, the what, the where. So we sat down, me with – oh, by the way, I came back from Whole Foods and ended up ordering a like a Keurig-style coffee from the counter at the store because I was like, I'll give these guys some – And by store, he means at the movie theater. Right, at the concession. So that takes another weird five minutes of people acting weird in an independent movie theater. So we've got the cookies, we've got the coffee, sit down, surrounded by either college-age women or older women or couples, and it's clear that the movie's not going to start on time, and then it's clear that the movie's going to start like decidedly late, like five to ten minutes late. And I was wondering whether this would happen or not, but as soon as the screen went up, there were no previews. It just went right to the movie. Now, I pose to you this question, Anna Lucy McKay. Do you prefer... To have no previews and just start the movie. Absolutely not. I don't even need to hear what the other option is. I assume it's have previews. But half the fun of going to the movies are the trailers. See, I am. I disagree with you in the sense that if you take the full package, there are two ends of the spectrum. And this movie experience showed one, which was the no previews. But we're still going to build the time in. <laughs> for that was the best part we're gonna build the time in for the movie to start late but we're not gonna show you anything in that time so it was like they were showing the previews on the reel but but the like bulb wasn't turned on the projector that's on one end of the spectrum the other end is all of the our commercials basically you sit there and watch 45 minutes of commercials ad promotions go and get corn syrup at the concession stand etc 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 so uh, they were kind of taking a, a Bernie Sanders stand against corporations and also starting their rally like 30 minutes late. And also missing an opportunity to entice us into wanting to see another movie at Apple Cinema. True. Which we'll do in a pinch. In a major pinch. So the movie starts. Let's talk about the movie. One last comment. Okay. The threesome behind me, two guys and a girl in their mid to late 50s had a major, major meltdown when one of them sat in a chair and it was, in fact, soaking wet. Mm. And I'm just going to leave that one there. Did they talk about it? At length. Did somebody pee? Maybe. It wasn't one of them, but... Do you think someone peed in the Brothers Grimsby? Yes. Whoa. (laughs) And then did they sit in the chair the rest of the movie? No, and they became vigilantes defending the moviegoers of the universe from sitting in this chair. If anyone even came close to the aisle, no, no, this one's wet. You can't sit here. This is a wet chair. If I had a dollar for every time they said that chair's wet, I would have been able to get a second coffee easily (laughs) at the concession. Okay, one more socioeconomic political question for you anthropological now you're a feminist 
You're a strong woman. You're a beautiful woman. Go on. But you hate being surrounded by women. <laughs> and, well, that might not be complete. That's not true. Okay, but you don't, you don't like when a bunch of women go to, like, a woman's movie. Like, that sets it's you off. so cliche. You don't like the cliche. So tell, and, and you don't like Catholic girls from Boston that go to Boston College? Is that? You don't like Catholic girls from Boston. So anyways, can you just kind of describe to us while I'm, Going around Whole Foods, not stoned, not drunk, just like an idiot, figuring out what fattening sugar treat I'm going to get and like not being able to decide what are you doing in that movie theater? Because you're listening to a bunch of sorority girls talk about their Thursday night at the bar, which happened to be St. Patty's Day. Like, how are you feeling? Because they're going to the Tina Fey movie like you are. You guys are kind of on the same team. Like they might be being a BA in business in five years, just like you are. But for some reason, you kind of want to run them over with your car. You're totally projecting onto me. I had a little bit of the old zone out time with my Instagram feed. I'm sorry to admit. Okay. And the couple times I did tune in, it was to witness large gaggles of women being broken up by the constraints of the seating availability and the tension and just oh you could cut it with a knife that feeling of like well I guess I'll sit by myself and like you're two like other friends who aren't as hungover as you are sitting together and you're just like out on this island and like your neck's craning up to look at the screen and you just want to crawl back into your dorm room twin bed and and stay there all night it was sad the icing on that cake was one girl had been saving a seat for her friend until she got there, and she comes in like three minutes before the movie starts, which happens to be 10 minutes late in this case. And she saw where her friend had saved the seats, and she immediately was like, oh, maybe we should just sit apart. And I thought that was – if that ever happened to me, I'd be like, I'm not friends with this person anymore. If I was the person who was saving the seat, like if your friend saves you a seat and it's a shitty seat, but they were saving the seat, that's the hand you've been dealt. You chose – to come late and have them be the one who saved the seat. You can't just say, oh, now I'm going to sit by myself. And obviously the friend who saved the seat should get the better seat because they sacrificed their singularity and like potential for a good seat because they needed two next to one another. Good point. They were like the communist and then now they're getting screwed for it. Yeah. Are you going to vote for Bernie? Just think about that. All right. Well, let's talk about the movie. Um, as you might have figured out from the title, if we titled it right, this podcast is all about telling you everything about a movie. Because honestly, in my opinion, you can hear everything about a movie and then forget it and still watch the movie and be surprised. And there's no like crazy sorcerer at the end that turns into a snake or something. There's no like big reveal. And if there is, we're going to ruin it for you. So basically, this is based on a true story. Tina Fey plays Kim Barker, who is a uh, TV journalist who's stuck in the writer's room in Washington, D.C. until there's a shortage of war correspondents. And she volunteers to be deployed to Afghanistan, which is sort of becoming the forgotten war. It's in 2004, 5, 6, when Iraq becomes the big thing um, because you know, the fight against the Taliban supposedly ends at that point, and they're kind of just occupying the country. She doesn't have any kids. She has a bad relationship with her boyfriend, so she goes. I found out in another session of research on the internet machine mm-hmm. 
that uh, Kim Barker was actually a print journalist and she wrote a memoir that mm. this book was that this movie was based on. And actually, cool story, the New York Times wrote a review about Kim Barker's book that said she was a Tina Fey character. Tina Fey read that and then bought the rights to the book and mm. made it into a movie that she starred in. Liberal media. And so um, she gets there. Margot Robbie is like the badass hot blonde reporter who's already there. Um, I think she's Dutch. Dutch or she's like from a European country where English is the sort of first language kind of situation. She's Dutch or she's Swedish or whatever. And they're war correspondents looking for stories in a place that doesn't have that many stories because they're in what's called the Kabubble, which is the bubble that is Kabul surrounded by a bunch of uh, journalists, kind of crazy outlandish party scenes with all these journalists at the main house where they're all getting drunk and doing drugs. And I don't know, like doing what, it was kind of portrayed as coke, but I mean, it could have been heroin for all we know. They could have been snorting heroin. I mean, it is Afghanistan. Um, so that's the story. And then, you know, hijinks ensue. And there's uh, a love interest that comes about um, who is Martin Freeman. And there is some uh, cultural tension between Tina Fey's character and uh, the guy who was Marnie's boyfriend on Girls who has a great beard and steely blue eyes. And Margot Robbie is sort of her friend, but sort of not. Um, we find out later. And, you know, what do you think, babe? Tell us what you thought about the movie. I guess we don't really need to spoil it because the plot review isn't the important part. It's kind of how we felt. We love the movie. We left feeling really psyched about the movie. Um, I would put it in the category of war satire, which... I, I could name a couple other of those off the top of my head. Wag the Dog, Three Kings. Just like hard to tear your eyes away from a movie. Wait, Men Who Stare at Goats. Do you remember that one? Mm. These are all movies that are like very near and dear to my heart for some reason because they're just exciting and there are explosions and a lot of emotion. And on top of that, it was a great script, great acting. Um, and it was really fun. Uh, the party scenes were, were great. A lot of early 90s hip-hop getting blasted. Do you think they were gratuitous at all? Like, no, I don't mean, like, I couldn't watch them, but it was interesting because it felt on some, in some scenes it felt as if it was a really true-to-life depiction, and in other scenes it felt like it was kind of an over-the-top glorified uh you know, depiction of what was going on. Like the party scenes were insane. Everyone was, there was one scene where they're at a bar and they drink like an entire bottle of some, you know, golden liquor. And then they like keep going out and they end up having like champagne at the end of the night. And it made me, it made me feel sick. Um, but like you were okay with that. You didn't care. It was supposed to be all fun. That's what going to the movies is about. Well, whether or not they were gratuitous and I would want to be at those parties are, are sort of two separate issues. The drinking and intake was excessive. And in my mind, a woman of Tina Fey's 125 pound stature couldn't barely drink two drinks, let alone the myriad beverages she pounded in these scenes. 
But that's satire, right? I think it was over the top and that it was gratuitous, but it was important to paint that picture because it got deeply at one of the main themes of this movie, which was when you go to these places, you start to sort of lose touch with reality. Everything is just turned up to 11, super intense. Um, You're either like in your hijab like barely making it out of a stressful situation or you're blowing off steam in like to house a pain as loud as you can. And uh, that was the trajectory of Kim Barker throughout this movie um, was hating her boring life, coming to Kabul, getting an exciting life, and then realizing that it was a little too exciting for her. Cool, very clear message of the movie is this idea that the war correspondents have a relationship with their job that's very similar to the use of a drug where you're always looking for like a bigger hit, a bigger hit, a bigger high. And uh, it's very clearly spelled out over the course of the film, but kind of an interesting moment when you have to give up the next hit in order to escape either the danger that the next hit is going to provide for you or the fact that you'll never get that high again. And so that's a lesson that can kind of be spread across a lot of different occupations, whether you're an adrenaline junkie or a heroin junkie or even someone who's like obsessed with the deal. If you need to constantly make a bigger deal, more money, you know, a better sale, whatever it is, it's like you're always chasing something that once you're done with that one, you're always looking for the next one. Except when people are doing that, they can never be clearer with the understanding that it's not necessarily about the accomplishment. It's about like the adrenaline they're getting while they're doing it. So they even talk about some of the chemicals in the brain that are uh, very similar in drugs and in war correspondence. So that part's cool. Um, At the end of every movie Alex and I go to, we like to give ourselves uh, an opportunity to give a <laughs> letter grade right upon walking out with before being like, did you like it? Oh, I liked it. It's just like, what do you give it? Babe, what did you give this one? I'll give this movie a B plus. What about you? I give it an A plus, <laughs> but I have a really high tolerance for movies. Let me tell you a few things I didn't like about this movie. Um, first of all, what I did like about it was the humor before I get into what I didn't like. And it was really interesting room. We saw it with a bunch of liberal Bostonian people, you know, Cambridgeites or whoever they were, college kids or concerned baby boomers. There are these scenes where they're like in a military situation with the Marines and people are like shooting things or blowing things up and people weren't laughing. Like I wanted, I wanted to laugh out loud and I did, but nobody else did. And your wife did. It's just weird that people still hold on to like, well, this is serious. We can't laugh like it is serious, but you needed this movie to make you remember that like fucked up shit is happening all over the world. Like ISIS is sawing people's heads off and like keep keeping people as sex slaves. And there's horrible things happening to migrants all over the world. And there's crazy types of violence happening everywhere. And this is a reality, and I do think that, like, comedy brings some sort of, I don't know, it's just another angle to look at these issues that are important to remember. Like, there were, this was a war that we fought, and if you didn't want it to happen, you should have protested it 
when we were invading. You can't now retroactively like protest it by not laughing at jokes during a Tina Fey movie. I, I just feel like I don't know. I didn't like how people took it seriously that they wanted to get a lesson from this movie. Well, you can't judge the movie by the room. So I hear you, but that shouldn't weigh into your grade. Yeah, well, I liked I liked that part of the movie. I thought that uh, I think the conversation you and I haven't had that's interesting to me is if that movie had starred a man and been like a male centric movie and had had all of those jokes about drunkenness and sex and sort of like living loose and fooling around, it would have been a completely different dynamic for the viewer. And I just want to unpack that. I'm not saying I'm unha- I'm unhappy with it, but it's interesting how Tina Fey has kind of she's got to watch out, I think, because I think she's brilliant. And I think her writing is incredible. And not only did I like 30 Rock, but we watched uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. We loved that. And, I mean, her movie career hasn't been, like, off the charts. I don't know if Baby Mama is on Netflix, but we might have to check back in with that. Don't forget Sisters. Yeah, what happened to Sisters? I don't know. Phoebe and I need to see it. Okay, so so she's amazing. And she's an incredible writer for Saturday Night Live and all the award shows. I think she's one of the funniest people on the planet. She's always making the like, I can't believe I slept with you <laughs> joke, you know? No, she's not. She, like, there was a lot of like her. I know, okay. I, I hear that you're disappointed that a white man wasn't once again featured as the star of a movie. That's not what I'm saying. I just want to discuss these issues based on the fact that it was her. You don't like it's all funny if it's her, but if she's like sort of overweight and not that if it was there, there's a huge theme in this movie about how if you're a five in New York City, then you're like a nine in Kabul because there are no women and like everyone will will take you down. So like what about if that joke is written by men and portrayed by men and they're talking about the women, not the woman talking about herself? Where does that joke go then? I don't think that joke is as funny and I don't think the memoir gets written and I don't think you know, whoever plays the male Tina Fey in this movie buys the rights to it. Like, this movie was predicated on the fact that it was a female who had to sort of overcome... I think it plays again into that idea of, like, you're not in Kansas anymore, honey. This is is insane here. And... People don't really want to watch that happen to a white guy. It's just not as interesting of a story. That's fair. I'm not wishing that this was a white guy. I'm not wishing it was anyone but Tina Fey. I thought Margot Robbie was awesome. She wasn't just hot. She was. She did great in this movie. I will say, I think that there were some elements in this movie where they relied on the same joke and that their joke writing wasn't as creative as it could have been. That's all I'm saying. You can't you can't do the like I can't believe I'm so hungover and I slept with you joke 10 times in a movie and have it be fun every funny every single time. It was that joke happened a That's lot. That's where you and I agree to disagree. Good. All right, well that's the movie Whiskey Tango Foxtrot starring Tina Fey, Margot Ro- Robbie, the always illuminous Alfred Molina. That guy who played Marnie's boyfriend on Girls, the guy who played Bilbo Baggins, who's who your wife will think is hot with his great, so cute. 
with his gray haircut and a Scottish accent. Billy Bob. Oh, Billy Bob Thornton. Awesome, awesome. as always. Although, you know, he could play that. He, he was kind of similar to what he played in Armageddon. Yeah, which was what exactly? Like he was sort of like the flight instructor, straight talker, like no BS, shit's going to happen, but like we're going to handle it or we're not kind of guy. Right. Um, looking fit. looking Very fit. Looking great in a Marine Corps mustache and gray hair. I mean, I'm excited about getting gray hair after watching this movie. So you should go see the movie. We loved it. Support female writer, director, stars. Although she only starred in it. But I'm sure she's making the money off it. Producers. Hopefully some of this money is going back to Kim Barker on the back end. Although after our first episode of Vinyl, Oof. she might not get any money at all. And um, if you go to see it, see it in a theater that has a screen bigger than your television. But go see it in the movies. It's still a war movie. And I will say there's something that a war movie, there's an itch that a war movie scratches. I don't know what it is, but... In some weird way, watching stuff blow up on screen is always fun. Whether it's a comedy, a satire, a dark comedy, a full-on like D-Day, Private Ryan-style thing. They they had some some great war drama there, right? In the Humvee, the gear, the headsets. Um, and it was shot in New Mexico. Did you know? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, that's good. Anything else you want to say? I definitely recommend this movie for date night or by yourself. Do it. Do you whatever. Yeah. You're with your sorority sisters or that girl you don't really like, but you know, you have to do something with every six weeks. Um, so that's it folks. Go see whiskey tango Foxtrot. Listen to other episodes of landline podcast at talkforaliving.com at soundcloud.com slash landline podcast. Find us on iTunes under landline podcast. Look forward to more shows, more formats, better stuff, more bits, all the things you like. Email us at landlinepodcast at gmail.com. Call the landline and leave a message, 617-744-1895. And lastly, and most importantly, tell a friend we're calling it mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. Tell a friend, get them to listen. And we're going to expand this podcast to the millions of people who want to listen. One last plug. The wonderful music you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast is by the Pitchfork Revolution, headed in part by my brother, John Lucy, out of Bend, Oregon. You can catch them playing any old time. Just find yourself at a brewery on a sunny day, and chances are they'll be on in about 10 minutes. Thanks, folks. Have a great night or day or afternoon. Thanks, folks. Enjoy your day.